0: So we're in a series called God's Plan. And last week Pastor Adam kicked off the series. He did a great job, talking, talked about the local church being a part of God's plan. Didn't he do a good job? He did good, didn't he? It was really good. His message was called stay in the house. Made me think of, because you know, God's plan is the local church, made me think of Noah. God had a plan of flooding the earth and so he told Noah, my plan is I want you to build this ark. Here's the blueprint. Here's the plans. So what if like it rained for 40 days and 40 nights? What if like 20, 30 days into it, Noah was like, man, it stinks in here. It smells like elephants. I'm out. What if he would have abandoned God's plan? I mean, when it's raining, you need to stay in the house. When there's a storm outside, you need to stay in the house. When things aren't going like you thought they were going to go, stay in the house. That's, that's, that's not when you leave church. That's when you just come extra. Just start showing up. We used to have a guy, he'd, he'd just show up in the middle of office hours. Can I go in the sanctuary and pray? <laughs> like, yeah, but why? God's in there. <laughs> okay. He's everywhere, but sure, you can go in there and pray. So just press in. Stay in the house. So I'm going to pick up where he left off last week. I'm going to invite you to turn to a passage of scripture that we're going to get to in a few minutes. It is Jeremiah 29 in verse 11. We're going to get there in just a minute. But I looked up the word plan, and it means a diagram. I think God's diagrammed your life. It also means a list of steps with details. Because that sounds like God, right? He's got a list of steps for your life with details. And he has... A strategy, and that's what a plan is. It's a strategy. So when it comes to your life, there's a strategy. When it comes to the human race, God has a strategy. I think it's comforting, just to know that God has a plan. Jeremiah twenty nine eleven says, God says, I know the plans. I'm glad somebody does. <laughs> it's just comforting to know that there is a plan, and that you're a part of that plan. All right, a plan is also, it's a list of steps. You're, the steps of a righteous man are ordered of the Lord. It's details of timing and resources used to achieve an objective. So God has a plan, but he also has a plan for you. So in Pastor Rick Warren's book that he released, I don't know, it was probably 15 years ago now, but it's one of the greatest selling books of all time, uh, other than the Bible, of course, but it's called The Purpose Driven Life. Anybody read that book when it was all the thing, you know, several years ago? The Purpose Driven Life five major purposes that God has for our life. Let me tell you what they are real quick. Number one, worship. God wants me to center my life around him. So worship. Number two, fellowship. Fellowship is not just two fellows in a ship. It's the habit of meeting together and loving God's family. So we forsake not the assembling of ourselves together. And that is called fellowship. So. Uh, for example, it was raining really hard this morning, but yet you're here. Why? Habit. You got a good habit. Did y'all notice I got my, my mobile duck shoes on today? Because it was raining. I got my duck boots on, man. I love these boots. If you, if you live in the rainiest city in America, <clears throat> you need some duck boots. And when I have these on, I just feel invincible. Like I can, I can just walk through puddles, man. I can, it don't matter. So I, I like it. So, But it helps us, it makes me think of that verse, you know, we have our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, you just, you got confidence, right? You got the right shoes on. And it also makes me think of how fellowship, we walk together. So no matter what you're going through, it can be good, it can be bad, I'm going to walk through it with you. We're going to walk through it with each other. And that's why we forsake not the assembling of ourselves together, because it's a habit and it's part of God's plan, is fellowship. Let me say fellowship. All right, so discipleship, discipleship, God wants me to grow up spiritually. I want you to turn to your neighbor and say something you've been wanting to say for a long time, grow up. Yeah. Some of y'all said that, y'all enjoyed that too much, so. But discipleship is part of God's plan for your life. Stewardship is part of God's plan, stewardship. That's God wants me to serve, and he wants me to give. That's part of God's plan. He wants us to volunteer. He wants us to give. So God's a giver. God so loved the world, he gave, and we're made in his image. He wants us to be a giver. And Jesus, he put the towel around his waist. He got down, and he washed the disciples' feet. Remember that? Because he wants us to serve. So we're part of God's plan is serving. Part of his plan is giving. Okay, So also, here we go. The final thing is witnessing, witnessing. God wants me to share his love with other people, his love. When I was eight years old, you probably heard me tell, tell the story before, but when I was eight years old, Jesus actually appeared to me in a vision and said, go to the other side of the world and tell them about my love. He didn't say, go perform miracles or anything. He said, go just tell them I love them, Show, tell them about my love, which when you do that, Miracles happen, cool stuff happens, but how many of we serve a loving God? And he, part of God's plan is for us to share that love with other people, isn't it? Well, if you didn't know it, you do now. So to simplify, let me say it this way, here's God's plan. He wants to make you like Jesus. He wants to make you like Jesus. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 tells us that we are made in God's image. Made in the image of God. God said, let us make man in our image. And so in the image of God, he made man. Male and female, he made them. So you are God's highest form of creation. If you sit next to your wife, just tell her. Say, I know that's right. Go ahead, it's Mother's Day. Say, we don't have kids yet. Well, you might after this. (laughs) You are God's highest form of creation. That means you are endowed with the seeds of greatness on the inside of you. And you know why women are so good looking, right? God made Adam and he stepped back and he goes, I know I can do better. <laughs> so in all of creation, only human beings are made in the image of God. You ever want to know what God looks like? Just look in the mirror. You go, that's what God looks like. He made you in his image. No other creature is made in the image of God. That's pretty cool. And so this is, a, it's a great privilege, but it gives us dignity, doesn't it? Um, I don't know what all that phrase covers, you know, that we're made in the image of God. But I do know some of the aspects that it includes to be made in the image of God. Let me tell you what some of them are. Because we're like God, we're spiritual beings. You are a spirit. You have a soul. You live in a body. So we're, on the outside, we're made of the stuff of earth, but on the inside, we're filled with the stuff of heaven. So we, we, you know, God breathed into us the breath of life, right? Everybody say, I got good breath. So, but we got good breath in a dirt bag. That's kind of how that works. <laughs> but we're made in the image of God. We're spiritual beings. Our spirits are immortal and we'll outlast our earthly bodies. I've been trying to help my wife renew her mind. I've been telling her, you know, one day when we have grandkids, she's like, don't talk about grandkids. We're not old enough to have grandkids. I said, we're not far. Her best friend just had her first grandbaby, and she's kind of messing with her mind. I'm like, think about it. you got to get used to this. Because uh, you know how women are. They're like, oh, i got her, I got a wrinkle and, and all that kind of stuff. I'm like, baby, one day we're not only going to have grandkids, we're going to have great-grandkids, we're gonna have great great grandkids. One day we're gonna be like 90 years old. She's like, oh my God. I'm like, no, no, no. It's a good thing. I mean, if we're planning to live to be 104, 105, I mean, you gotta envision yourself. I mean, we're gonna be this hot old couple. People go, look at that old dude. He's like 100. and gonna be like, what's up? These are mine. These aren't fake. These are real. Some old dude. I mean, look, I still touch my toes. You want to go for a jog? I'll be a healthy old guy, right? Why not? You got a plan for that stuff. So, anyway, we're, we're, our, our spirit is, is eternal, but this thing, it, the Bible says the outward man is decaying, but the inward man is renewed day by day. But that inward renewal can actually affect the outward man and slow down the aging process. Give me an amen right there, somebody. All right, that's God's plan, too. <laughs> Hallelujah. So, Because we're like God, we're also intellectual. God is an intellectual. He's a smart guy. We can think. We can reason. We can solve problems. Because we're like God, we have a will. How many want to know God's will? You want to know the will of God for your life? Yeah, we all want to know about four of you. All right, well, I hope the rest of you do too. But God has a will, and he wants you to know his will. But you have a will. You have have the ability to decide what you want, don't you? To choose. Did did John know that God's (laughs) pro-choice? He gave you the ability to choose. And then he said, choose life. I said before you, life and death. Choose life. He's like trying to give you a clue. Yeah, he gave us a choice. The power of a will to make decisions. That's good stuff. So what are you using your choices for? What are you using your will for? That's part of our job as parents is to raise our kids to teach them how to make good choices. Because right. you can't make them all form, right? How <laughs> many you figured that out already? They make their own choices. So um, we have the power to choose like God does. And like God, we're relational. Did, did you know that we can give love like God can give love? We can receive love like God can receive love. And that's why... Small groups are so important. Did you know that God dwells in an eternal small group? It's pretty cool, isn't it? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Small group. That's what we're always telling you. Get in a small group. Because the small small groups, the the powerful thing about small groups, it's not the curriculum, although we have some amazing curricula around here. The, The amazing thing about small groups is the relationships. I just finished our last session. I lead a small group on Wednesday nights. We just finished our last one for this semester. And that group just coalesced and came together. It was so fun. And a couple weeks ago, people were like saying, Can we keep meeting? This is so great. We got to do something beyond this. That's good. Because we want those relationships, those, those, because we're made in the image of God and God's relational God. That's why if the two of you are hanging out, you're just hanging out. But if you get a third one, you got a small group. In fact, Jesus said, In fact, if two of you get together in my name, I'll show up and it'll be a small group. God is a relational God. He wants to know you. He wants to get to know you. Do you want to get to know him? Anybody else? <laughs> oh, man. So, because God, we're like God, we also have a moral consciousness. We can discern right from wrong, which makes us accountable, accountable to God. The Bible says that all people, not just believers, but all people possess a part of the image of God. We're made in the image of God. Which, by the way, is why it's wrong to murder. That's why abortion is wrong. That's why racism is wrong. Is because you're interacting with people that are made in the image of God. And that by itself gives mankind dignity. And we should honor life. So if you want to know more verses about that we're made in the image of God, you can look up Genesis 9-6. Psalm 139, James 3, 9, all, and there's many more, but say that we're made in the image of God. But the image of God, because of sin, has been damaged and distorted. But that's why God, but God, who's rich in mercy, he sent his son Jesus. Why? To, so that old things could pass away and all things could become what? New. And all these new things are of or from God. Why? Getting God's plan to make you look like Jesus. To, be, to conform you to the image of his son, Jesus. Because how many you know when God made Adam, Adam was perfect. Adam was a God-man. not He wasn't God, but he had God on the inside of him. But sin separated Adam from God, and then Jesus came. Jesus, he's, he was the second Adam. He's the God-man. He's all God and all man. And we're made in his image because though we're not God, God wants us to be godly. What does that mean? He wants us to have his character, his values, Right? That's called being God. called the fruit of the Spirit. All right. <clears throat> like God, we can think. And let me say this. Like God, what we think about, we bring about. God planned and imagined you and mankind, and then he started speaking. Like be, and then he made God, man the image. Of, so what, what you think about, you can bring about. I don't know if you know about know this or not, but your life rises or falls to the highest level of your thinking. Or the lowest level of your thinking. So what you think about, you bring about. Because that's why we we always say what the Bible says, you can have what you say. Because out of the abundance of the heart, your mouth speaks. You think about it long enough, guess what? You're going to start talking about it. You start talking about it, it's going to start materializing in your life. If you want more information on that, read the Gospel of Mark, chapter 11, verses 22 through uh, the end of the chapter. Through 25. All right, so what you think about, you bring about. We are creative. What's the first thing God did in the the beginning? God created. He's a creator, He's a creative God. You can know that just by looking around the room. Right? He's got all different kinds, that's why He made different kinds of people, different colors, different shades, different cultures, different personalities. Why? It takes all that to reflect His manifold nature. So we're creative like God's creative, and we can create our own environment. Think about this. We are the only creatures, all the other creatures are at home in their environment, except for us. We're always changing stuff, and adapting stuff, and building stuff, and painting stuff, and tearing stuff down, and we live in the desert, we live in the mountains, we live in the snow, we live by the water, we live, we live everywhere. Why? Because we're we're, we're we're created in God's image, and we are created and given the ability to design our atmosphere. Pretty cool, isn't it? And did you know you take an atmosphere with you everywhere you go? Some people, when they walk in the room, you feel like you need to get your umbrella out. You know. But we want to take a happy, joyful, positive attitude with us everywhere we go, don't we? Because God's on the inside of you, and everywhere you go, he goes. So you've got life, and light, and joy, and peace, and salvation. you got all kind of good stuff in you. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're full of it, man. You're just full of it. <laughs> full of good stuff. <laughs> I just want to clarify something, that some religions and New Age philosophies, they promote the old lie that we are gods, or we're becoming gods. And, and that's not what I'm saying today. Uh, the, this, this desire to be a God, it shows up often when people try to control other people. Control freaks. I'm writing a book in one of my, right now, one of the chapters is called Control Freaks. <laughs> but see, we're not... You, first of all, control is an illusion. You might think you got it, but you don't. And, and besides, you might can manipulate and control people to a certain extent, but... Even God doesn't control people. He gave us a choice. He said, "Now I'm setting before you, life and death. I encourage you to choose life. That's the good stuff." But then He goes, "Choose you this day whom you will serve." Right? He gives us the choice. He's not—I mean, if, if if He was going to control people, He would just control everybody to call on the name of Jesus, get saved, and we go in the millennia tomorrow. But God doesn't even control people. What makes you think you can? There is one you can control. He's sitting in your seat right now. That's the only one you can control if you will, if you decide to. All right? So, we're not talking about becoming gods or that we are gods. I'm just saying that we're made in the image of God. As the creature, we will never be the creator, although we are creative. So, uh, God doesn't want you to become a God. He wants you to become godly. And again, that's taking on his values, his attitudes, his characteristics. I want to read a verse to you out of Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22, it says, Take on an entirely new life. That sounds good, doesn't it? Take on an entirely new life, a God-fashioned life. Now, you can fashion your own life, or you can let God fashion your life. Which one do you think is better? God's plan? Your plan. God's plan? (laughs) Your plan. God's plan is better. So he said, take on a God-fashioned life. A life, and then he says what that is. That's a life renewed from the inside. Working itself into your conduct as God accurately reproduces his character in you. That's when, that's when somebody is godly. That's when they become more like Christ. God's character, they're living out of God's character. They're like Jesus. They're like him. Okay, so with that said, God has a plan. He has a plan for you. But I want you to know that life, I'm going to drop a truth bomb. Y'all ready? I should do a sermon series called Truth Bombs. Life is not all about you. It's not all about me. It's not about all about my purpose. It's about fulfilling, using my life to fulfill God's purpose or God's plan. Romans, we've heard this quoted a lot. It says, For all things work together for good. For who? For those who love the Lord and are called according to what? His purpose, that word purpose in the Greek is the word prothesis. That's where we get the word prosthetic, you know, like you got a fake leg or a leg. It means you, you need help walking. He'll give you whatever you need to get where you're going. But it means to prothesis, to in advance, to lay out a plan. God's got a plan. And if you love him and you're called according to his purpose, and what that means is, because we all are, it means you've answered the call. Okay, Lord, whatever you want me to do, wherever you want me to go, my life is not my own. It belongs to you. You've bought me with a price. You ransomed me. Now, what do you want to do with me? So it's not living out. My purpose is fulfilling his purpose. Your purpose is fulfilling his purpose. That might look like different things. Some of you are doctors, and some of you are pastors, and some of you are are singer-songwriters, and actors, and others are engineers, and salesmen, and entrepreneurs. So it looks like different things, but what is it for? God's plan. God's plan. God's plan. So, Ephesians 4.22, take on an entirely new life, a God-fashioned life, a life renewed from the inside, working itself into your conduct as God accurately reproduces his character in you. So life's not about you, it's not about me, it's about fulfilling God's purpose, it's about fulfilling God's plan, and his plan is to pour out his spirit on all flesh. His intent is, is God so loved the world. That's his thing. I love them so much, I intend to to, to pour out my love, to show them my love. God's plan is the Great Commission. His strategy is the local church. And to fill his people, which people are the church, it's not the building, it's the people in the building, or outside the building, or wherever you are. He said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. But his plan is to fill his people with his spirit to empower us. For what? To be a witness. To share God's love and goodness with other people. That's part of God's plan, wherever you go. That's always something. We're going to worship him. We're going to fellowship with other saints. We're, we're We're going to be good stewards. We're going to witness. So we're going to do all these things, but why? Because one day, I don't know if you know this, but Jesus is coming again, probably sooner than we all think. He's coming again for his bride. That's us, the church. And he's going to set up his kingdom here on the earth. We'll rule and reign with him forever. All of human history is about God's son getting a bride. It's a cool love story. Now, the big idea here I want to share with you today is that God has a plan. And his plan is to prosper you and to heal you. So, you're saying, are you one of those health and wealth churches? I guess technically, because we don't want to be a poverty and sickness church. But we're not like the health and wealth church in the sense that uh, we, we're all believing God to ride around in Bentleys and live in mansions and lay on the beach. Okay, you can do that, but that's not all you can do because just doing that is not God's plan. Okay, God wants to resource you to fulfill his plan. And to fulfill his plan, you need to be healthy and you need to have resources. Let's look at it. Let me read. Let the Bible speak for itself. Jeremiah 29 and verse 11 God's people were in captivity when he told them this because they had not been following his plan they had disobeyed him and when we disobey him it gets us in bondage but this is what he said this is the NIV but I'll read it to you in a different translation as well but it says this is God talking I know the plans Jeremiah 29:11 I know the plans one translation says the thoughts I think about you God thinks about you I know the plans I have for you. So just let me stop here. God has a plan. That's very comforting to me. He has one. And he goes, I, ha- I know the plans I have for you. So he has a plan for you. The question is, what is that plan? In the Hebrew language, which is what this verse was written in originally, that word plan means to, a contrivance, to contrive, to plot, and fabricate. God's saying, I know that what I've fabricated and plotted for your life. The plot thickens. It means an intention. He goes, I know, and it means an imagination. God's imagining your life. It's so so cool for me to stop and think that God has an imagination and he uses it to think and imagine about my life. How many know that that's why eye has not seen, ear has not heard the things that God has planned for those who love him? Why? Because God's been imagining some stuff. But don't worry, it's good stuff. He tells us that. He goes, I've been imagining some things. I've been planning some things. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to, what's that next word? Prosper you. If you look that up in the Hebrew, it's the word shalom. Plans to shalom you. What is shalom? It's actually where we also get our word peace. It means nothing missing, nothing broken, nothing hurting, completely whole and happy. It means entirely blessed. Now, blessed means empowered to excel and prosper. So God says, I know the plans I have for you. Plans to shalom you. How many of God wants some shalom in your home? He goes, I got plans to shalom you. If you look up that word shalom in the Hebrew dictionary, it means to make you happy to make you healthy, and to make you wealthy. I don't know about you, but I'm okay with that. (laughs) I knew it. You're one of those health and wealth churches. Only if we're going to be a biblical. We're a biblical church. How about that? God says, I know the plans I have for you. I have imagined putting my shalom all over you, making you healthy, happy, and prosperous. Then he goes, just for clarity, not to harm you. That's not my plan, not to harm you. So you all know me. I looked up the word harm in Hebrew, and this is what it means. It means not to give you adversity, not to afflict you. Because some folk, they're like, well, you know, sometimes the the Lord afflicts us because he loves us. That's not what this says. Well, the Lord corrects those whom he loves. Okay, correct me, but he's not going to afflict me. I correct my kids, but I don't give them injections of Ebola or something, you know, teach them a lesson. Yeah, that I'm an idiot. That's called child abuse. I mean, if it's illegal for us, it probably ain't right for God either to abuse his children, which asks the age-old question, well, then why, in the words of Forrest Gump, does crap happen? A lot of bad things happen to good people. I'll tell you why. And this is a whole other sermon for another Sunday, but because we live in a messed up world. Sin has messed this world up. God says to man, I've given you dominion. I've given you authority in this realm, in earth. I made you in my image, and I put you in charge. Okay, you know why there's bad stuff happening? Because we're in charge. Yeah, but God is in, in control. He gave us, he's in control, but he gave us dominion. Right? Some of you are looking at me like a dog at a new pan. I'm not sure about this. This sounds too good to be true. Not to harm you. That word harm means calamity. You know, calamity is not God's plan or will for your life. You know, hurricanes and uh, tornadoes and tsunamis and... All, all those things. thats not God's plan for your life. I know the insurance companies call them acts of God. But if you look up in the Bible, remember there was a prophet and there came, uh, there, there came a raging fire. But God wasn't in the fire. There came a wind that broke the mountain of peace. There a big tornado, but God wasn't in the tornado. Those aren't acts of God. Those, that's sin spinning off in this earth, messing stuff up. But then God came in the still, small voice. And that's why so many people miss him. Okay, so he says, my plans are to prosper you, not to harm you. That's not my plan. That word harm also means displeasure, distress, evil, hurt. My plans are not to hurt you. It also means misery. Some people think, well, the more godly you are, the more miserable you are. That is not in the Bible. It means trouble. It means heavy. Heavy, man. How many know that you don't have to take yourself so seriously to be God? I mean, yes, it is serious, and we're sober-minded, but you can have fun. You can enjoy this. And it also means vex. God's not going to vex you. That's not his plans. And he goes, so my plans are to prosper you. Not to harm you, my plan is to give you hope. What's that? That's the thing that you long for. Anybody long for cancer? Anybody long for depression? Anybody long for divorce? Don't raise their hand. No, we don't long. It means the thing that you long for. He goes, "I plan to give you a hope and a future." What do you mean a future? meaning that I'm going to be here tomorrow and the next day and the next year and the next decade and the next decade. I know one day if Jesus tarries, it's coming, I'm going to get old and die, but not today, not tomorrow, not in the next 10, 20, 30 years. I plan on being around a long time. How? I listen to that still small voice. I don't get it right every time, but God's merciful. Thank goodness he's rich in mercy, isn't he? His plan is to give me what I long for and an expected end, a future. Not an unexpected end, an expected end. You know, you get nervous when you don't know what to expect, right? You're like, oh, what's going on, man? What That's why some people don't go to church. But what time does it start? What time does it finish? That's what I really want to know. <laughs> I want to know what to expect. What can I wear? I want that to expect. And when you don't know what to expect, you get nervous. God says, I'm going to give you an expected end so you don't have to live life nervous. You don't have to go down the road wondering, oh, man, is today the day. You know, is a semi-truck going to hit me? Or No, you don't have to worry about that stuff. Just listen to the still, small voice and know he's directing your steps. That's his plan for you, for me, to give you an expected end. All right? You get anything out of this today? Amen. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you, and you will seek me, and you will find me when you seek me with your whole heart. I want to look at one or two more verses before we go today because some folk accuse us of misinterpreting Jesus' words in John chapter 10 and verse 10 where he, where he gave us a promise of abundant life. Let's read it. It's called the dividing line of the Bible, some people call it. But it's so simple, you need a theologian to help you misunderstand it. Let's see what Jesus said in John chapter 10 and verse 10. He says, the thief, we all know who that is, right? He only comes, for what reason? To steal, kill, and destroy. He said, but I have come that you may have what? Life and have it how? More abundantly, super abundantly. So, but some accuse us of saying that this means we're going to have perfect health, a comfortable lifestyle, constant happiness, full realization of our dreams, instant relief from problems just by making a confession or saying a prayer. Because we're faith people, okay, that's not, what we're not saying that, I wish it was instant, but it, it's not, it's not, it take, it's a process sometimes, but listen, let me ask you this, how many of you are Christ followers, Jesus is your Lord, you're forgiven of all your sin, okay, great, all right, since you've become a Christ follower, and you've been forgiven of all your sin, how many of you have sinned, okay, if you're not raising your hand, you're committing one right now, because <laughs> you lie, all right, so, all right, How many of you believe that by Jesus' stripes we are healed? Healing is for us today. Okay, Since you've been saved, how many of you have been sick? so We're not saying that you're never going to have problems, that you're never going to get sick, that you're just going to float through life on flowery beds of ease. We're not saying that. We're saying that when the stuff does hit the fan... We got our boots on, baby. We're ready to walk through some stuff. The greater one's on the inside of us. We've got armor. Why do you have armor? Because there's a fight. But we're equipped for the fight. And it's a good fight. You know why? Because it's rigged. Jesus already defeated our enemy, went to hell, beat him, beat death, hell in the grave, knocked his teeth down his throat, and then gave us all of his armor and said, Now, if he sticks his head up again, you take care of him yourself. Right? you got to enforce your own victory, don't you? I don't know if you knew that, but you got to enforce your own victory in your life. Because sometimes all hell does break loose. You go, well, you know, the Lord works in mysterious ways. How do you know that's not in the Bible? I'm going to do a series later this year called Cow (laughs) Tipping. We're going to tip over some sacred cows. Stuff that people think is in the Bible or have been taught in the Bible, but it's not in there. You know, well, sometimes the Lord makes you sick to teach you a lesson. No, he doesn't. You know, like one guy said, the lesson was, don't go outside when it's cold and you've been sweating. You know, put your jacket on, man. That's the lesson. Don't be dumb. And like he said, when I'm not dumb, the Lord doesn't teach me near as many lessons. (laughs) Or like the pastor who was killed in a car accident. I don't know why the Lord took him. He was such a good man. Well, the Lord doesn't take near as many folks when they don't speed and they wear their seatbelt. Come on now. We gotta abide by the safety laws are there for a reason. I'm not saying you can just do whatever you want to do. And, and that's the misunderstanding. Well, I'm a faith guy and do whatever I want to do. Guess what? If you jump off the building, gravity's gonna work for you. It discriminates against it. don't care what color you are, what gender you are, it's gonna work. And these spiritual laws are the same way, but you've got to be aware of them and you've got to work. How do we fly? We work not against but with the laws of gravity you got to understand the laws so that you can implement other laws. And some of these laws are the laws of prosperity, the laws of health and healing. But you got to enforce them in your own life. Okay? So in a word, folks say, well, those faith people, those word of faith people, they just, they just expect life, the Christian life, to be easy. Now, I'm just going to quote Jesus. We won't get into this, but I don't want to get sidetracked by it. But he is the one who said... My yoke is easy. My burden is light. I mean, there is a burden, but it's light. There is a yoke, but it's easy. I'm not saying bad stuff doesn't happen. Here's what I don't understand. How do people go through that stuff without Jesus? Right? i never forget something that... Uh, my brother-in-law said years ago, people say, "Well, you know, how do you how do you tithe? Why don't you? You know, you're not you're not rich. Why do you tithe?" He goes, "Well, I'd hate to see what I, what my life would be like if I didn't tithe." So you, you we implement the word, we do the word of God. We're doers of the word, not hearers only. There's a blessing in that, isn't there? All right. So they say that this self-absorbed perspective treats God like a genie in the bottle. And he's simply there to exist to serve us. Let me just clarify. God is not there to serve us. We are here to serve God. And God's not a genie in the bottle like, you know, your wish is my command. His wish is our command. Right? I did you know that? Yes. He's the Lord, capital L. That means he calls the shots. He's the shot caller. We obey. So, and he wants you to be healthy And blessed so that you can do what he asks you to do. He's not asking you to pay for it. He's just asking you to believe for it. Okay. Getting anything out of this? Some of you got your head tilted a little bit. I hope that it's going right in your heart. Right in your heart. Okay. Let's see. Do I have some notes here? All right. He wants us, God wants us to be managers. And if, if, let me give you this example. If you're a manager, you're going to give your team the resources to do the job, right? If you're a good manager. If not, they're going to quit, resign, whatever, complain, get hurt. So God's asked us to do a job. So he's going to give you the tools and resources to do that job. Or he's not a good manager. So if he says, go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature, he's going to give us the resources to do that, isn't he? If he says, love your neighbor as yourself, he's going to give you the resources to do that, isn't he? If, he's going to, if he says, forgive, he's going to give you the resources to do that. So he's not going to tell us to do something and then not outfit us to do the job, is he? Now that's how the devil works. Remember when Israel, they were slaves in Egypt and Pharaoh said, All right, you got to make the same amount of bricks, but I'm not giving you, so you got to go get your own straw. And they were like, and They actually, they, they prayed, they said, Oh God, what is happening to us? Please help us meet our quota. And they were praying the wrong prayer. They were saying, Lord, help us be better slaves, as opposed to saying, Lord, set us free. Get us out of here. He wants to give you what you need. So, Jesus is the one who said, hey, whatever you command the Father in my name, he'll do it for you. Now, that's not genie in a bottle theology, but Jesus is the one who said this. He introduced this idea, whatever you command in my name, Daddy will do it for you. (laughs) So, how do you argue with that? Well, yeah, but again, you've got to have the theologians come in to help you misunderstand it. (laughs) Well, Jesus didn't mean that. Well, then why did he say it? I think Jesus meant what he said and said what he meant. If he said it, I believe it. That settles it. So that sounds really arrogant. No, no, it sounds bold. Because I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. The righteous are as bold as a lion. Why would that be when you know who your daddy is? It makes you bold. And my daddy is rich. Well, you get to be godly. You got to be poor. Well, don't tell Solomon that. Or Jesus, well, Jesus was poor. No, he had a staff of 12. He had a treasurer who was stealing from the the kitty, and they didn't even miss it. In fact, when Jesus died, they took his clothes, and they gambled for his clothes. Why? Because it was nice. You don't gamble for rags. Jesus wore designer clothes. So, I'm not saying it's either or. Because the the health and wealth, here's where he gets out of balance was well, when you're a health and wealth Christian, so that you can live in your 50,000 square foot house and lay on the beach and drink drinks with umbrellas in them or drive, whatever. Again, there's nothing wrong with that if. You're fulfilling the Great Commission and you're following God's plan. Because it's not like God's so broke he can't afford to give you nice stuff and you go into all the world and preach the gospel. But when you get stuck, oh, I'm blessed, man. Yeah, I'm blessed. Well, good. What are you doing with your blessings? Wear your blessings well, but remember. Remember where it came from and remember what it's for. We're, We're also... Called farmers. We're supposed to be farming. We're supposed to be reaping the harvest, and that's not just you know I put five dollars in. I'm believing God for five hundred dollars. That's great, but I'm putting five dollars in. I'm believing God for all the resources I need to win five hundred people for Jesus. How about that? I'm just throw, I'm just making you making you think today. Talking about God's plan, because again, Jesus is coming sooner than we think. We got We got We got some stuff to do. We need the resources to do it. All right, let me keep moving here. All right. Um, Elevate your thinking. Remember that? How many of you remember the cheerleaders in high school? Elevate your mind, get yourself together. Elevate your mind, get yourself together. Remember that? I'm your cheerleader. I'm here today to help you elevate your mind and get yourself together if you need to. Say, I didn't know I could believe to be blessed. Well, now you know. You're not ignorant anymore. That's the beauty. Ignorance is curable. Stupidity, on the other hand, <laughs> that's when you hear the truth, and you just go, I just choose not to believe that. I want you to live a big life, amen, because we serve a great God. So stop living merely for yourself and for your own agenda or just being a, 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 a martyr in the sense that you're just, oh, I'm just always struggling, I'm always suffering. You don't have to. You don't have to. Live a big life. Why? For the benefit of others, for the glory of God. And enjoy it yourself along the way, right? How many of you got kids? You're not afraid to admit it. How many of you got grandkids? How many of you are always looking for somehow, some way to bless your grandkids or bless your kids, right? I am. I, I got two boys, and I'm always thinking, how can I get them boys what they want? How can I bless them? Because we love them. And that, we're wise. We're not gonna, you know, one of my sons wants a Corvette. I'm like, no. <laughs> you're, not, you're not ready for that blessing. You know what I'm saying? So, but, but as he gets older, you know, right? So God will give you what you can, So be faithful with what you got so you can handle more. And by the way, that's what tithing is. What is tithing? It's a Hebrew word. It means a tenth. When we, the reason that we honor God and worship God with 10% of our money and our income is because it's a test. God doesn't test you with sickness and disease. He tests you with good things. He blesses you, and then he goes, all right, now it's a test. What are you going to do with it? When you bring back to him 10% that belongs to him, it's a test to see if you can handle more. So if you, are, this is resonating with you today, go, yes, I want this blessed life that you're talking about, then pass the first test. That's the entry-level test. Now, if you don't tithe, you know God's not mad at you and your goldfish isn't going to drown or something bad's not going to happen to you. I'm not saying that. But when you do tithe, the Bible says God opens the windows of heaven and he pours out a blessing on you that you don't even have room enough to contain. That does not mean you're going to win the lottery. That means he's going to give you some stuff that money can't buy. All right, here's your call to action today. Do you need to repent of small thinking? <laughs> Thank you for your honesty. I mean, this—I preach to you out of my overflow. This is what God's been dealing with me about. I'm thinking too small, Kevin. Okay, I repent. Help me, Lord. I believe. Help my unbelief. Ever prayed that prayer? So, if you need to repent of small thinking today, just do it right now. Say, Lord, I repent. Don't be afraid of praying big prayers and moving past old boundaries and old bondages and stepping forward and stretching out your life before God in faith and saying, Here I am, Lord, use me. Like Isaiah the prophet, here I am, Lord, send me. How many want God to use you? I want God to use me for his glory. Uh, People pray, Lord, use me. And then over the years, you know, people, sometimes people they they burn out and they leave the church. What are you leaving for? Well, I just feel so used. Well, that was your prayer, wasn't it? Use me, Jesus. So, today, let me just declare over you before we go. Today is the start of something amazing for you. Today. This is the year of the breakthrough, man. Had somebody come speak to our Millionaire Mindset small group Wednesday night. And somebody had been trying to get here for a year, and they finally came on that day. And that day that they came, that morning, he said, man, this morning, I got my first check with two commas in it. Goes, so the day I'm speaking to the millionaire mindset, I became a millionaire. That was pretty cool. It was a, it was a sign. Because the Lord told me that this year is the year of the breakthrough. I don't know about you, but I'm not going to let go of that. If God said it, I'm going to hold on to it. And I don't care if it, hair lips hair lifts the devil. I'm going to say, no, God said this is my breakthrough year. This is our breakthrough year. We're breaking out of some old stuff. We're breaking out of some old bondage, some old barriers. We're breaking into some new stuff, some good stuff. So today is the start of something amazing for you, for me, for this church, for your family. If you believe it, just say, so be it. All right. Jesus came that you may have life and life and life more abundantly. Refuse to tiptoe through life in fear because God has made a covenant with you through his blood and if he gave his if he didn't withhold his own son, is he going to withhold anything else? No. So, repeat after me. You ready? Faith confession time. You ready? Father God, enable me to live every moment to the fullest. Totally involved in your will. I am made in your image. I will not let fear, intimidation, insecurity, or burnout decide my future. I'm filled with your spirit, led by your love. Great things are happening to me and through me. My life is directed by your heart, your purpose, your plans, your words, your voice is louder and stronger than anything anyone else has ever spoken over me. Your will, your plan, is stronger than anything else than anybody else has ever done to me. Oh, that's good right there. Say this, say I am not a beggar. I am a believer. I am not a victim. I am a victor. I'm not a loser. I'm a learner. I'm not who they say I am. I am who you say I am. My due season is on the way. My due season starts now. You're the God of increase. And you delight to bless me. So make yourself happy, Jesus, and bless me right now. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Let the blessings begin. Let the breakthrough begin now. Hallelujah, in Jesus' name. If you did not spare your own son, but you freely gave him, how will you not that much more freely give us all things? He's not holding anything back, so don't you hold back. Amen? The time to hold back is over. It's time to move forward, to break through, to break out. You can remember on Mama's Day as my breakout day. On Mother's Day is when breakthrough happened for me. You can say, I had one mother of a breakthrough on Mother's Day. God broke through for me. God broke through my enemies, broke through my debt, my poverty, my divorce, my relationship, junk, whatever. It's my breakthrough day in Jesus' name. Broke through my depression. Let me pray for you. People say, how, how can such a loving... You're saying God's good. How can such a loving God send people to hell? The real question is, let me flip the script. How can, how can people reject such a loving God? So today, I want to give you the opportunity to enter into God's plan. By making Jesus the Lord of your life. Would you bow your heads with me today? If you're here today and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, man, you're in the right place at the right time. If you're watching us today, and you've not made Jesus the Lord of your life. I don't mean you prayed some prayer one time and your life never changed, but I'm talking about you're ready to let his spirit come inside of your life and change you, make you in the image of his son, Jesus. If you're here today and you want to make Jesus the Lord of your life, I'm going to pray the prayer of salvation And if you want me to include you in that prayer, not going to make you stand up or walk forward or anything like that, but if you say, Pastor, include me in that prayer of salvation, with every head bowed, would you just raise your hand right now? Let me see who you are real quickly. All right, God bless you. One, two, three, four. God bless you. Five, thank you. Six, seven. That's awesome. If you're watching us online, pray it with us right now. There's seven or eight folks that just raised their hand. Let's all pray it together, Harvest Church, with these half dozen or more folks that raised their hand today. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I repent of my sin. I forsake that life. I forsake my plan and I embrace your plan because I believe Jesus died for my sin. They buried him. But on the third day, you raised him from the dead. And I say, Jesus, from this day forward, you are my Lord. I may not be perfect, but I'm perfectly yours. Fill me with your spirit. Give me power to live this new life. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we give those seven folks a big hand? God bless you. I love it. Hey, there's a party going on in heaven right now. I don't know what that looks like, but I'm sure it's amazing. Man, so can we rejoice with you?